0: Welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Church
1: Consciousness Discerning the Lord's Body, Part 3. 1 Corinthians 11 17 two through 26. I will read it through. Again, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, that's the second time you remember. The word come together is mentioned. I hear that there are divisions among you. Schisma. Remember that? S-C-H-I-S-M-A. Schisma in the Greek. And it means to rend a garment or to tear something or to split something. So when you come together, as verse 18, second time is mentioned, there are people rending each other's garments, metaphorically speaking. Right? There are people causing divisions who are splitting that word schisma in the Septuagint, the Greek rendition of the Old Testament, is the word that is used when Saul took hold of Samuel's garment and he tore. Yes. Yes. Right? And, then so, and Samuel says to him, the way that you have rent my garment is the way God has rent or forcefully torn the kingdom yes. away from you. And that was what cost Saul, cost Saul the lineage of Jesus. Because when God agreed to give them a king, he decided to perpetuate the kingship. Yes. So as he gives Israel a king, at their behest, at their request, that king he gives them will lead all the way to Jesus, the real king. So he didn't want to give them a king because he he already had envisaged the king for them. But since they insisted and persisted as he knew they would, he gives them a king that will lead to an everlasting kingdom. That's how Saul comes in. And so when there was a tearing of the kingdom from Saul, it meant that the eternal nature of God's plan for kings Ended with Saul, hence rent schisma tear forcefully, and that's how David came into it. Does that make sense? So I've said over and over, man, I don't know how I feel if I'm Saul hearing Bartimius shout, "Jesus, thou son of David," when he should have been shouting, "Jesus, thou son of Saul, son of Saul, from the tribe of Benjamin." But because he was torn away from him, that's the word. It's a very very strong word. Like to forcefully split something. And you know, it, the pain it causes is, is immeasurable. When somebody, even in, in interpersonal relationships, when something, you know how sometimes it's, your pain is not like somebody died. It's that you died unexpectedly. Or that a relationship ended, but that he was, he was, he was rested out. Yes, sir. It's like he got your heart out. Schizma To rend the garment. And so it's powerful, Paul says, you come together as a body and you are rending each other as a body there are divisions among you and in part i believe it because he knew what the corinthian church were capable of corinthians ninjas he goes on in verse 19 and says for there also there must also be factions among you and that's the word heresies remember which is an opinion Usually an opinion that leads to a segregation or a sect or a fraternity. Make sense? That's the word heresies, hair and then E-S-I-S. I showed you numerous encounters in the scriptures where that word was used. For there must also be factions among you so that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together, third time, verse 20, together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's supper, the Lord's supper. Pay attention to that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. Notice the emphasis: eating, taking your supper ahead of others. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. I will first of all, I um, before I continue, I, I explain to you that supper here was day Non. Yes. and I show you a few examples yes. of that. Okay. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. Notice the emphasis of what Paul is teaching. Notice the emphasis of what he is not saying. 22. What? That's how it is. You can't see it. Exclamation mark and go, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God? And shame those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do." As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, 27, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and also let him eat of the bread and drink of a cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we will judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. I said when a text of scripture is misinterpreted, major truth is lost. We have established that the word supper here is the word day, non, which means an afternoon, late afternoon, or evening meal, or feast, had together. Right? And Paul writing here says that when you gather, it is not to eat the Lord's supper. He was saying, in other words, what you guys are doing when you come together. I, I don't know what you're thinking, of, but that what people are doing is not the Lord's supper. Mm. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying. But, he also achieves another aim. He achieves the aim of introducing to us a concept called the Lord's Supper. Does that make sense?
2: Yes.
1: If you're saying, what, what, what people are doing when you gather to eat? Is it, in other words, if in Nigeria we say, is, is, that, is, is that one Lord's Supper? What, what people are doing, that's what people are calling Lord's Supper. So that he points out that they were doing something wrong. But the fact that he's pointing out that they were doing something wrong is letting us know there is such a thing yes. as Lord's Supper.
2: Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes.
1: Make sense? Yes, sir. And that thing that is Lord's Supper is not Passover. Because first of all, Paul does not make any reference to Passover. Are you here? Yes, sir. Who instituted the Passover? I showed you on Sunday how it's the Lord's Passover. Yes, sir. I showed you on Sunday how when Passover happened, no human being passed over.
2: Yes,
1: sir. And, and it's, it's amazing how we've missed that for centuries. Yes, sir. Who passed over? The angel of the Lord. No human being passed over. It's the Lord's Passover. So who instituted the Passover? God. By the hand or through the instruction given to Moses. Next question. To whom or for whom was the Passover instituted? To Israel, not the church. Israel, Passover. We have confused the Lord's Supper with Passover. Passover. Now from our text in 1 Corinthians 11, it doesn't say or suggest Passover. It says the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is not Passover, because in the time of Passover, they didn't have the Lord. And contrary to popular belief, Passover happened only once.
2: Once,
1: Once, Passover doesn't happen every year. Blood on the lintel post, on living bread, in a hurry, we'll come to that just now. It happened once. And it was commemorated yes, every year as a feast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you understand? Yes, sir. As a feast to Israel. So God instituted Passover by the hand of Moses for Israel. For what purpose? To commemorate the Lord's Passover. Pay attention to that. Yes, sir. The, Lord's Lord's
2: Passover.
1: Passover. Say the Lord's Passover. Somebody said the Lord's Passover. And by by connection, Israel's deliverance. Because mm-hmm. it was right after that that Pharaoh was like, "Okay, okay, okay, all right, all right, just come on, be going, right? Come on, be going." So it commemorates the Lord's Passover, and consequently, Israel's deliverance from Pharaoh and from Egypt. Are we here? Exodus 12. You came to class. Exodus 12. It's a long read, so just bear with me. I will read from verses 11 to 43. I may not explain some, some bits of it are self-explanatory, but we'll just read through. And thus shall you eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, and staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's pass over. Keep going. For I will pass through the land of Egypt. See that? I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You are not passing to anywhere. Yes, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. Yes, this is God instituting Passover. Yes, and you shall keep it as a feast. Feast. Yes, to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days shall you eat unleavened. Pay attention to unleavened. Unleavened. I'll come to that shortly. Unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. I mentioned this on Sunday. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day to the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat that only may be prepared by you. Keep going. So you shall observe the feast. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For this same day, I will have brought you armies out of the land of Egypt. It has not happened. (laughs) For on this day, by the time you are beginning to eat the feast of Passover, I would have brought you out. So he was giving them an instruction based on what he was set to do. (laughs) You get it? Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, On the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses. No leaven. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a stranger or native of the land. Keep going. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourself, according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take, after God has finished speaking, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house unto morning. For the Lord will pass through. He'll pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer. Mm. Pay attention. Before you say God killed
2: people.
1: I will not allow the destroyer. So here's God moving through Egypt, seeing his people. And the destroyer knows you can't touch there. Ah! Because God passed over. Where he's passing through. I'm going to kill everybody there. But where he's passing over. The destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It shall come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. Keep going. And it shall be when your children say to you, pay attention. It's about to be defined. It shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. Full stop. When your children ask you, what does Passover signify? Play the verse again. You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. Full stop. Who gives this definition? God. At this point, nothing else is mentioned. Forgiveness of sins is not mentioned. Jesus being killed is not mentioned. It's not even implied. This is what happens. This is what you shall say. So the people bowed their heads. Let's keep going. We'll come back to that. And worshipped. Next verse. Then the children of Israel went away and, and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And it came to pass at midnight. That the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the livestock. Go on. Now, before we continue. The Lord struck. What does that mean? The Lord passed through, passed over, then the destroyer did his job. That is the meaning of the Lord struck. The previous verses have told you the method, the MO, the modus operandi, how this thing is going to happen. He has said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the destroyer will not come into your house. It is the Lord's Passover. He passes over where he sees the blood. He passes through Egypt. The destroyer does his job. By verse 29 Moses, or the writer of this book, does not have to now go and elaborate again. So it came to pass that night that the Lord then went and then, you know, then the destroyer now finally found where to enter. And you don't need that detail anymore because the previous verses have explained it. So the Lord striking equal to the Lord passing and the destroyer knowing who to strike. Context is key. Does everybody understand that? Yes, sir. The Lord did no striking. Yes, all right, let's, go. let's proceed. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough. Listen now, carefully. Dough. You know dough? Very soon, you understand why I took time to read the whole narrative. The people took their dough before it was living. Somebody say haste. Haste. Before it was leavened, having kneading bowls bound up in their clothes and their shoulders. No kneading bowl where you mix the bread. Next verse. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about six hundred thousand men on foot, besides children. A mixed multitude went up with them. Egyptians that knew that if we want to survive, let's follow this Israel out of here. Mixed multitude. So when I taught you a while ago and I said, in that house where there was blood, if an Egyptian just saw, you say, Ah, um, Jedediah, brother Jedediah. What is going on on your door? Why are you putting blood? Then, me, I don't know. But, Sha, our GO said that we should put blood. We will pass over. So, me, I put. And then, this guy, you know, you maybe, just goes and catch a lamb. How you put your door? One door post. <laughs> Imitate, no? Yeah. Linse, do not come. Say, Brother Daya, please, please come. Help me check. Is yes. okay. yes. it okay? Say yes, it's okay. Now while this Useni is doing it, somebody else just comes. Maybe an Egyptian that has Nigerian blood. Yeah. And he says, Brother Daya, we don't even have like, me, my wife and children, were are in your house today. <laughs> no time to waste time. You say, Angel will pass. Some people will die, some people will not die. You say, Your house already knows. I mean, your house. Packs all his wives and children, enters Boradjediya's house. Both this guy and his household in Jediah's house, and the person who also put blood. Now, you now came out in the morning from Boradjedi's house and saw that all your other Egyptians. All their firstborn and firstborns of their animals that Would you stay in Egypt? I, I, I explained it. Would you stay? you are watching them say, Ah, like, we're, we're living. Say, Sir, all of us are living together. You are seeing even Pharaoh's son died. The Scripture says, "Even an Egyptian prisoner in prison, the firstborn died." So a mixed multitude went with them. Next verse, let's finish it. Also, that's what mixed multitude there means, with flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. Now, see, they baked unleavened cakes of dough, which they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened. They did not make unleavened bread in Egypt. They just mixed the
2: dough
1: in the hurry and took the dough out, not bread. Bread ingredients flour mixed with a little egg or some oil, a little nutmeg, no yeast. Took it out. They were clear from Egypt. Then they began to bake unleavened bread. They baked unleavened cakes out of the dough which they brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened. Because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait. Nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now, the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. How long they lived there. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord, people who had never fought before, armies of the Lord, the believer's faith narrative, went out from the land of Egypt, 42. We're almost at the end, 42. 42. It's a night of solemn observance to the Lord. For what? Bringing them out of the land of Egypt. Them. This is the night, this is that night of the Lord. A solemn observance for all the children of Israel. Throughout their generations. For the three and the last verse for this text. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. Even this Jedediah with his Jewish name. It's not a Jew. Even the Egyptians that escorted
2: Israel.
1: No foreigner shall eat it. Next chapter, chapter 13, from verse 3. Thirteen and verse 3 to 7. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. Next line. No leaven bread shall be eaten. Passover meal is with unleavened bread. Okay. On this day, you're going out the month Abib. Which, is, which, is, which I, if I remember correctly, is about May. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey that shall keep this service in this month. Six, seven days you shall eat the unleavened bread and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Seven, unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days. And no living bread shall be seen among you, nor shall living be seen among you in all your quarters. See verse 8. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It's very clear. It's very clear. The purpose of the Passover is very clear. Yes. Yes. Who it was given to is very clear. The purpose for which it was given was very clear. Deuteronomy 16. And I need just the one verse, and that will be verse 1. See that month again. Observe the month of Abib, And keep the Passover to the Lord your God. Look at this. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Simple. And repeated. Are you hear? So, the Passover. Hear me carefully, church of Jesus Christ. The Passover was not instituted for the forgiveness of sin. It may have taken on that connotation later, but it was not instituted for the forgiveness of sin. At least not primarily. With the benefit of hindsight, you can look at it, which is what the New Testament did, and annotate. What's another word for annotate? Append. Append. Yeah, probably attach. Yes. To so annotate is to append, you know, not to add something as though, you know, if you annotate a document, it doesn't add to the word count. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So to annotate, it's like they appended or they attached a signif- another an- or an added significance to the Passover. Does that make sense? But at the time the Passover was instituted, it was not instituted for the forgiveness of sins. I have a people that took them out from one place to this place. By passing through Egypt and passing over them. When your children ask you, tell them, is what God did for us in Egypt. Are you here? Pay attention to that. Why did I say this? If Passover was instituted to commemorate the forgiveness of sin, what was the sin offering for? If we are going to be commemorating the forgiveness of sins we should be celebrating or offering the sin offering. Because that is what was instituted for the forgiveness of sin as a type. Oh, there's such a thing called sin offering. Exodus 29. Uh, You want to celebrate something for the forgiveness of your sin? Let me show you what to celebrate. Exodus 29. And it's just one verse in 36. You shall offer a bull every day as a... Sin offering for atonement. Every day. Leviticus 4 gives us very interesting insight into the sin offering. Leviticus chapter 4. I I need your eyes to fall upon the scriptures so you can see. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, if a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, Bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull. It's unfortunate to be a bull in that era. (laughs) Without blemish, as a sin offering, he shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Lay hands on the bull's head and kill the bull before the Lord. The anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary and the priest shall p- put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the lord which is in the tabernacle of meeting very bloody place and he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the bond offering which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting he shall take from it all the fat of the bull as the sin offering the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat which is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver, see detail, above the kidney. He shall remove as he was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering and the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering. But the bull's hide and all its flesh with his head and legs, its entrails and offer, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out it shall be burned now if the whole congregation of israel sins unintentionally we're not not talking intentional sin yet And the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done and are guilty. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it for the tablet of the meeting, and the elders of congregation shall lay their hands on the bull. Basically, same process all over. 22. When a ruler has seen and has done something unintentionally against the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done and is guilty. 23, his sin. Which he has committed comes to knowledge, he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, shall lay hands on the goat and kill it at the place where they kill the bond offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. 27. If any of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments, you shall bring an offering of the killer of the goats, a female for the common people, a male for the ruler, a young bull for the people, a young bull for the priest. And the same thing goes over and over. Right through. And that's the sin offering. Now go to Leviticus 16. Leviticus 16 and verse 6. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering. Can you see that again? Which is for himself and for his house. Shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord. We know the scripture. Scapegoat and then the sacrificial goat. Or lamb. Sin offering. So if you are going to remember the forgiveness of your sin. By the shedding of blood. What do you need to be doing? sin offering not passover if we're going to commemorate sin the forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. if we're going to commemorate sin we should be caught up in the sin offerings yes,
2: sir. Yes, sir. Yes.
1: not in the passover god instituted passover gave it for israel for the purpose of commemorating his passover and their deliverance from egypt And he instituted this Passover with unleavened bread. bread. We saw that in Exodus 12 and 39. Leaven, I told you on Sunday, is from the Greek word seor, S-E-O-R, and the Greek word zumen. S-Z-U-M-E-N. S-E-O-R in the Hebrew, and zumen, Z-U-M-E-N. This is where it starts to get interesting. Of course, it's rendered simply yeast, but it has more connotations. It's used in dough to make it rise. It also is used to cause or hasten fermentation. Just in case you didn't know, it's the same property in beer that causes the wheat to ferment and thus turn alcoholic, right? And in some wines, it's yeast. So it causes dough to rise. It also causes or hastens fermentation because in, there's how long you leave something, ultimately, it will ferment. So yeast is added to hasten or quicken that process. Make sense? And because of that, it's also metaphorically used to refer to the permeating. You know when something permeates? Something falls upon something and then after a while, it just seeps right through. right? So it, it's also referred to the permeating and transforming or modifying of something when something creeps in and permeates or modifies something mm. does that make sense yeah you have a full bowl of gary gary you know water when the water is hot you pour the gary in you can see it instantly it doesn't permeate it literally it's absorbed by the water but if you have gary in a bowl and you pour water on the top it, it takes a while but surely 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 as surely as you pour the water into the gallery, like in the cold, in, in the cold one, yeah. at some point, water passes the gallery. How does it happen? The water that overwhelms the gallery has to go through the gallery, get below the gallery, and take it all over. That's a permeating. Does that make sense? So to permeate something such that you modify or transform it is also referred to as leaven. Seor or zume. That also implies... Hear this carefully. It also implies adulteration, corruption. When you change the state of a thing from its normal state. Yeast. Leaven. Zeor. Zumen. Are you here? Matthew 16. Now we're we're dealing with leaven. Are you following the systematics of the teaching? Matthew 16, 6 through to 12. Pay attention to the definition of leaven. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Pay attention to the living called what? Pharisees and Sadducees. It's not referring to yeast. It's referring to adult. Beware of the living of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Keep going. And they reasoned among themselves saying... "Ah, it is because we have taken no bread. Because as soon as they heard leaven, they thought bread.
2: Yes,
1: sir. Careful, church. Yes, sir. Some, some, some mistakes we are making, we we're not the first to make them. Yes, He's mentioned living? his bread is talking about because we carry bread. See, verse 8. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, "Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Now stay here. I, I, I've said some things in the past like when I said to you guys and people looked at me years ago when I first told them that Jesus fed the thousands twice. Yes. 5,000 men and 4,000. So people say, oh no, they, they got the details wrong. No, too distinct. He flogged people out of the temple twice. Not yes. once. Next verse, you see now. Do you, do you not yet understand? Hear Jesus. Or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Next verse. No, there's seven loaves. So it's not as somebody mixed up the numbers. No, 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 no. Two distinct accounts. Two distinct accounts. I keep saying there's some arguments I don't argue. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. This is Jesus telling them five loaves. Remember how many baskets? Seven loaves? Four thousand? How many large baskets you took up? Two accounts. Okay. Now let's continue. How is it then after these two instances? You do not understand that. I did not speak to you concerning bread. bread. But to beware of the living of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Doctrinal corruption. (laughs) Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the living of bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees no, we are not talking about yeast in bread bread with yeast. yeast that's not what we are discussing First Corinthians 5 and 6 I will come to that text shortly but 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 look at it Paul is now speaking. And he says, your glory is not good. He's saying the church. Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little living leavens the whole lump? The context of this will come back to. 1 Corinthians 5, we'll come back to that shortly. Galatians 5, 9. Look at Galatians 5, 9. I'm just trying to establish for you what living means. Paul says the same thing again to a different church or churches. A little living there is a whole lump. what was he saying? Any small canality like this. Small canality. Permits. Adulterate, modifies, transforms, corrupts. The whole thing. So remember what he said in Matthew by living? He was not referring to living on bread. So, living can refer to a rising agent, a fermenting or adulterating agent. Or metaphorically, can refer to sin, canality, dead works, polluting doctrine, corrupting influence, depending on context. I will read it again. Living can refer to a rising agent, an agent that causes something to rise, right? A fermenting or adulterating agent, something that causes something to be fermented or to be adulterated. Or metaphorically, it refers to sin. Canality, dead works, polluting doctrine, doctrine that pollutes, corrupting influence, depending on context. Leaven can refer to a rising agent, a fermenting or adulterating agent, or metaphorically to sin, canality, dead works, polluting doctrine, corrupting influence, depending on context. You got it? Yes, sir. So, if that's what living means, then unliving bread means bread that has not been corrupted or bread that has not been helped by any agent. Unliving bread will therefore mean bread that has not been corrupted or bread that has not been helped Dough that you have, because when you put yeast, it now helps. Not, remember those days of your mom's making puff puff? You just put small yeast, you see the bread. And when you fry it, it's it's empty inside. It's just sweet, but it's empty. That's why buns then had less yeast, so it was more dense. Does that make sense? Are you here? Unleavened bread is bread that has not been corrupted or helped by any agent, A.K.A. no works involved. No works, no corruption, no adulteration, no self. No effort, no assistance, no adulteration, unleavened bread. For where we are going, remember this. For where we are going in the teaching, remember this. Unleavened bread is bread that has no corruption or no help to be bread. Have you got it? Now, I said to you on Sunday that Passover and unleavened bread always Interlapped, two festivals. Because it was only one day apart. 14th day of the month of a baby, 15th day. Right? So most times they always looked at as the same thing. And I said to you on Sunday that Passover, which is to say on Living bread, was not instituted by Jesus. Jesus came and met his townspeople, his country people, mm-hmm. celebrating the feasts. That if their children ask them, they will say... It is to remember when God brought us from Egypt. So Jesus ate these feasts with them because he was a Jew. Luke chapter 2. Go from 39. Luke 2, 39. I need up to 40. 40. Yeah, from 39. So when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. That is Jesus um, along with Mary and Joseph. They return to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. This is not where they are from. This is where they eventually settled. Does that make sense? Like all you equivalents that are here, your grandfather is here, your, your family house is here. But you're not from here. You became of here. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Luke 239. So they return to their own city, Nazareth. Because you see, these are the little things that you must understand when reading your Bible. Because this guy is from Bethlehem in Judah. When they went to do census. it's Bethlehem, they went, not Nazareth. Do you understand? They came out when they said, everybody, go back to your place to go and be counted. Joseph left there, Galilee, and went to Bethlehem, his hometown. So when Jesus is called, Jesus of Nazareth, it's not Nazareth as in his birthplace. It's Nazareth as his domicile, where his family settled and took ground that it may be fulfilled what was written of the prophet out of Nazareth I called my son. It was the happenings of time that made sure Joseph settled in Nazareth because a prophecy had gone out that said out of Nazareth I call forth my son. So it's called Jesus of Nazareth the way that if you're looking for me in Nigeria you say Pav in Calabar. Not that he was from Nazareth. These little things matter. When studying your Bible and having an answer to give people that challenge some things. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Does that make sense? They return to their own city, Nazareth. So, he returned to Nazareth in Galilee. His own city. It's not, so, it's called Jesus of Nazareth. It's like Saul of Tassos. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Next verse. And the child, the child who grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and see the next verse so Jesus grew up a Passover boy every year without faith every year John 5 I think it's also the first verse yes it doesn't state that but you see where it says that after this there was a feast of the Jews theologians are a bit unsure which particular feast either the tabernacles or feast of weeks or we'll come to that but, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem so he was not a stranger to the feasts he grew up attending this feast many times in his life are you here and when he resurrected the terminology did not change Passover remained Passover after his resurrection does that make sense because Passover was there for the Jews are you here it was Jewish tradition is it binding on us no we are foreigners And the person that instituted it says you should not touch it. (laughs) And excuse me, church of Jesus Christ, you are a believer, does not make you an Israelite. It's like going from Jesus to John. No foreigner should eat it. So now, the believer, see, our people have New Year Festival. As a believer, do you need New Year Festival in your life? No. Can you get up and say, I'm going for New Year Festival? Yes. Is it binding on you? No. It exists and it exists among your people. So if you feel a leading to go for new yam, why it's new yam. Colossians 2 says, Paul, Paul says, don't let anybody judge you. So Jesus rose and these feasts were still present among the people to whom it was given. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Are you learning anything? Yeah. Acts 2.1 We now come to that next word. When the day of Pentecost. Pentecost. Do you remember what I taught you about living? On living bread. You see Pentecost was a feast. And Pentecost in the Greek just simply means 50th. A feast or a celebration that happens 50 days after Passover. Or 49 days after the feast of unleavened bread that was the end of that period 50-day period and it's called a feast of weeks in the old testament being a seven-week period of feasting in the high harvest from passover till pentecost pentecost um, represented the time by which all the harvest is finished in in the jewish harvest does that make sense because it's typically about seven weeks to harvest all the ripe barley. So when they declare that harvest starts on a particular day. So in the way that it works usually in those days with the Jews is, the, is that because we all plant roughly at the same time. Because seasons don't change. Your field can be ripe and ready for harvest. And mine is two weeks away. We will not touch it. Anybody that understands Jewish culture knows what I'm talking about. We must all be ready at the same time to harvest. Does that make sense? So it helps you to understand the statements that Jesus will make. And look at the fields and see how they are ripe. Because your field is ripe for harvest. You can't just get up. Just get up and say, the yam is ready. you are going to start removing the harvest. So they wait until all the wheat have all ripened. Then a day of harvest is declared according to the time of the season of life. And then they start. And then they start harvesting. That was the period that Naomi came back. With Ruth. That's was the period. So it takes nine weeks from when we declare... Ah, it's Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover. Harvest starts until the end of nine weeks, 49 days, 50 days, depending on if you're counting from Passover or Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that now became known in Greek as Pentecost, the 50 days from Passover or the end of the harvest. Make sense? So Pentecost also is not a New Testament festival. It belongs to the Jews. Known as the Feast of Harvest or Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament. Are you here now? Yes, Pentecost does not mean Spirit, does not mean Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean that. So when you say you are a Pentecostal Christian, are you sure you know what you're saying? Now, do you see why I, I am not involved in some things? So what denomination are you? I always tick other. I've never ticked Christian. Yes, sir. Then they're not, they're not satisfied. They ask you what denomination and there's still another one for people like me. Other. So I tick other. You ask me put here some of God. Don't annotate me something. Don't give me an appellation. Must you, must you call me something? I refuse. Pentecostal, evangelical, charismatic, Catholic, and Anglican. If you, must you? Must you? Pentecostal has no spiritual connotation. None. None. When you say I'm a Pentecostal, you're just saying, I'm of people that used to party at the end of harvest. Let God be true. That's all you are saying. You are not saying you are filled with the Holy Ghost. You are not. By, you, by not, I'm saying you are not saying, you're not probably not filled. Pentecostal doesn't mean that you have the spirit. It doesn't mean you have the spirit. It means harvest has finished. Yes. Let's parry. Yes. Let's parry. Yes. That's what it means. There's nothing spiritual about it. It was an extension or the conclusion of Passover, which is unleavened bread. Are you here? Yes. Exodus 23. Exodus 23, 14 through to 16. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. God is speaking. Go on. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat your living bread seven days. We have seen this in Exodus 12, Exodus 13, all over. Unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you. At the time appointed in the month of Abib. Are you learning anything? It's consistent, right? For in it. So every time Passover is mentioned, it reminds you of the purpose. It's not ambiguous. It's not random. It's it's there. For in it, in the month of Abib, you came out from Egypt. Keep going. You will not appear before me. Empty. Next verse 16. And the feast of harvest... This is what is called Pentecost. Yeah. The Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. How many weeks? Seven. Seven. And the Feast of Harvest, the first fruit of your labors which you have sown in the field. And then the third festival is the Feast of Ingathering at the end of the year. Exodus 34 and 22. Three feasts. Exodus 34. 22. Pentecost, right? Feast of harvest or feast of weeks. Exodus 30, 34 and 22. And you shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat. Go on. Harvest and the feast. Are you following? So, Pentecost, Pentecost there in the New Testament, is essentially feast of harvest in the Old Testament or feast of Weeks, signifying the weeks of the harvest, right? Deuteronomy 16, I'll give you one more. Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter and the 9th and 10th verses. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. Somebody say Pentecost.
2: Pentecost.
1: Feast of harvest.
2: Feast of harvest.
1: Feast of weeks. All in relation to the Passover. Are you here now? So the feast of Pentecost did not begin with the New Testament. Pentecost is only the Greek name. Pentecoste. Are you here? It was an old testament feast called the feast of harvest or the feast of weeks paul did not spiritualize the feasts he did not sanctify them and adopt them into the new testament that would be very dangerous it will mean that we cannot say that this new covenant is new father father let let there be light in the church the moment we established we borrowed a few things from the old all we have then is an improved testament yes, not new so if hebrews says he takes away the old yes, to establish the new and we believe it then we cannot be trying to read the old into the new are you learning how to interpret scripture? Yes, sir. It's not possible. Because it's a new testament. It's not an improved testament. And the person that the testator is the one that opened his mouth and said it's a new testament. Yes, the testator himself. So if it's a new testament he gave us, nothing was borrowed from the old. Not even Passover. Oh, yes, yes, well, everything was done away with except there's a problem when you go start throwing that line. Yes, sir, yes, sir. These festivals were not redeemed by the blood. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, yes, they're being washed with yes, high soap. So now we have redeemed festivals. You know, it was it was it was for Satan. It was for the law. But now the same thing is for the law he's not very smart. He doesn't have ideas. He has to bring the old ones and clean them up and then now give them to us. It means he's a very dry God. You understand what I'm saying? Very dry God. And usually when you bring those dry things back, they don't work. So you see how you are reacting now? That's how you should be reacting. If anybody tells you that this new covenant is it was there, it just add special effects and change the kissing New, new graphics. It <laughs> takes away the first. Yes, the feasts were not redeemed and sanctified and then repackaged and handed over to us from the back door. He resurrected, new covenant entered, and the feast continued to whom they were given. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, right now, can I say some things? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, right, right now, an Israelite cannot be judged for commemorating passover in the gambia in the in banjo at the entrance to the banjo capital on an island there's an arch like you enter abuja and you have the city gate there's an arch and that arch is called arch 22 and it commemorates revolution day not independence july 22nd and every 22nd of july They do armed forces parade, you know, fly past, all of that, commemorating the revolution of the Gambia from the former civilian government. And you you can't judge a Gambian for celebrating July 22nd every year. So if an Israelite decides, you know what? My people, once upon a time, once upon a time, were strangers in the land and they were redeemed. I'm brought out. Fine. What's yeah. the problem? The way that Nigeria does October 1st. The point is, Cameroon does not celebrate October 1st. Who got it? It does not belong to them. It ha- has no relevance to the Cameroon. Kem- Cameroon is just next door. And they have no business with October 1st. So if the Israelites want to celebrate Passover, yeah, they, they, they fine. Congratulations. Happy Passover to you. Acts 12 and 3. Go from verse 1 for context. Just Now about that time. Pay attention to that time. Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Three. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days, post-resurrection, early church already in existence, days of unleavened bread. Does that make sense? Because Jesus didn't vanish because Jesus resurrected. Acts 20. Acts 20, I need verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. For Paul, Paul, Paul was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Paul was in a hurry. Let me just keep sailing. It would be nice to arrive at Jerusalem in time to meet them for Pentecost. I don't want to miss that party. Yes, now, interpret it how you like. And he was going there in a hurry so he reached there with the gospel. He was, he was a Jew. And he said, he said, he said, I am all things to all men. That I am by all means save them. To the Jew, I am as a Jew. You have Jewish festival to keep, I will keep it with you. And he doesn't, he doesn't take away from my salvation. I mean you can eat food given to idols and it's not a festival of your own people you cannot partake in. First Corinthians 8. Romans 14. You can eat food given to idols. Idols. You eat food given to idols with just with thanksgiving, not with intercessory prayers and deliverance, not with sanctification and soaking the food in the blood. And then it's something of your people. If you feel like go, you go. First Corinthians 16, are you learning anything? Yes. First Corinthians 16 and 5, 5 through to 8. First Corinthians 16, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend winter with you, that you may send me on my journey whenever I go. That is that you may provide for me and dispatch me. For I do not wish to see you now on the way. But I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. Eight. But I will tarry in Ephesus. This is why people accuse Paul of keeping the law or of upholding the law. Not understanding that the guy was a Jew, that the family has a language, and they had a culture. And he wasn't keeping his culture as his faith. Paul did not spiritualize the feast. Instead, he made it clear that for all of us Gentiles, they're not binding on us. Not binding. We don't have any business with them. Galatians 4, 9-11 Galatians 4, 9-11 But now, after you have known God Or rather, are known by God How is it that you turn again To the weak and beggarly element To which you desire Again to be in bondage You, you, you Believers, not you Israelites You believers, oh, Gentiles yes,
2: sir.
1: Chapter 3 of Galatians 4 What does chapter 3 say? Our problem is we keep reading scripture 1-1 one, one. chapter 3 says Christ has redeemed us from the course of the law being made a course how does chapter 4 start by saying that the law was keeping you in bondage until now that faith is here we no longer need a tutor that's the backdrop by by the time Paul is speaking here he has established that the course of the law and its binding nature on the believer is broken it's a letter he didn't write them one verse and then after 3 years write another verse it's a whole letter he must read the entire Galatians to get context so it says you observe feast." Why? Because in the Galatian church, what was happening? Judaizers, the living of the Pharisees, had crept in and started telling them, this is your gospel of only grace without works. It's, it's not true. You must add works to it. That's how it starts in chapter 1. I marvel you have turned away so soon. Right? From the gospel to another gospel, which is not another. You know, what people have crept in unnoticed by chapter 2. He's now telling them that this nonsense. Even Peter sponsored it. Yes causing segregation between Jews and Gentiles. I rebuked him to his face because that's not what had been done and then chapter 3 he now comes and starts to argue the law, Abraham the blessing, the seed which is Christ who has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Then chapter 4 enters and it starts to deal with the fact that the law was just our jailer to keep us and bring us until. Then he goes into Ishmael and Isaac, two separate covenants, Mount Zion and Mount Arabia, Mount Sinai in Arabia. Then he comes here and says to them in, in, in this text, in verse 9 and, and into 10. Ah, ah. Are you observing after you've known God, all I've, all I've told you, all I've taught you. You now come and you observe verse 10. You now come to weak and regular elements again to bondage, verse 10. You're observing these and months and seasons and years. He says, ah, I'm afraid for you because it looks like what all I've been doing in your life hasn't worked. Stay, stay in verse 10 and give us, give us TPT, verse 10 and 11. Verse 10, TPT. Why would you really want to go backwards into the bondage of religion, scrupulously observing like rituals, special days, celebrations of the new moon, annual festival and sacred years? Verse 11. I'm so alarmed about you that I'm beginning to wonder if my labor in ministry among you was a waste of time. Give us a message in verse 10. For that is exactly what you do when you are intimidated into scrupulously observing all the traditions, taboos, and superstitions associated with special days, and seasons, and years. As so if, if you are close to me, you know that one of the one of the messages you send to me that I will ignore is Happy New Anything. If you know me, you know I don't have time for that. Happy New Week. Happy New Month. Happy New Day. Happy Sunday. Happy New Quarter. Ember Month. New Year. Crossover from where to where? Colossians two. 16 and 17. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but this hold on the... Soma. Soma. (laughs)
2: That's
1: the word. Translated substance. Body. The word translated substance in that verse is the word soma body the whole on together working perfectly the sound complete work of all these things is of Christ the concept of that is you are chasing can you see my shadow and you are coming to me and all along before i showed up all you could see was my shadow and then you are coming on stage And you look at me, you look at my shadow, you leave me, and you are chasing my shadow. And my shadow can do nothing for you. My shadow can't hug you, can't talk to you, can't help you, can't give to you. So every time what we're doing is chasing a shadow without a body. Substance. So when it says substance, so math, it's saying leave the shadow. I'm I'm here. I'm here. Why are you chasing my shadow? My shadow can't do anything for you. It can't do anything for you. I'm here. The body, the substance, the tangibility, the togetherness, the essence is of Christ. All these things were shadows. All. No exception. So as a teaser for where we're going, if Jesus now tells us to keep something that was a shadow, Jesus is acknowledging he is not the substance. That's what he's implying. At this point, like Sunday when we call him to a conversation, we need to call him again and say, sir, excuse. So we, need to, we need to have words. How come you as you paraded yourself as substance and then you are the one that is initiating a shadow? Are you, are you learning anything? We need to have we, we need to, we need to talk, sir. I I, I I hate to admit that you were lying, but but how are you going to explain yourself out of this one? Because then we start to ask you what John asks you. Are you the Messiah? Yes, sir. yes, sir. yes, sir. yes. or should we look for, for another? So that's just a spoiler alert for where we're going. He could not have been instituting another shadow yes, when he's the Soma. Yes. It cannot have it. It cannot have it. No, sir, sir, no, sir, you see. Sir, you see, see, with due respect. Sir, I know you have been interceding from a direct time Father for like 2,000 years. Sit down, just rest small. Let's let's talk. This talk. He throws everything about Christ as Savior up in the air. The substance, the body is of Christ. If we have then established he was not pointing to a shadow which is true then we must now re-examine what happened on that night of Passover in Luke 22 because then what it means is that Jesus simply hear me carefully simply took advantage of the Passover to teach something greater that's all that's left if we are following it exegetically. Jesus cannot be pointing us because if he's pointing us to a shadow, then um, let's all be water baptized. That means there's nothing wrong with going back and forth between Jesus and John. Back and forth between Jesus and John. Back and forth. Just oscillate anywhere the belly face. You know, Jesus, John, Jesus, John. Anyhow we like. But the substance is of Christ. Having established that, then let's revisit what happened in Luke 22 yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. in that yes, sir. upper room and see what he was using Passover to teach them Jesus took advantage of the Passover being his last I showed in Luke 2 yes, sir. Yes, sir. I showed in John 5 that this guy grew up eating Passover feasts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. so by no means was that last one his first Bible historians actually have it that in the three and a half year period of Jesus' ministry, he ate four Passovers because Abib comes early in that other year. Does that make sense? So in his three and a half year period, he would have encountered four Passovers such that the one in which he took the thing and broke would have been his fourth Passover in his ministry since he was 30. And consequently, his 34th Passover as a Jew in existence. So he was not new to Passover yeah. at all. Yeah. But this one being his last, he took advantage of the fact that this one is my last time I'm eating this thing with you. Let me use advantage of this to show you something. Yeah. Luke twenty two fourteen. 14. See this carefully. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Look at this carefully, my God. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired To eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Hear this. Next line. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. After this Passover, I eat now. The next time I will eat this Passover, you and I will eat it together in the kingdom of God. Not in the church. Are you, are, you, are you following? I am, I, 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 I am, I'm looking to eat this Passover with you. Because the, after I'm eating now, the next time that I shall eat of it with you, go back to verse 15, I have determined or desired to eat this Passover with you. With you, not for you. Not on your behalf, with you. In other words, I have desired for us to sit down and eat something significant mm-hmm. before I suffer. Because after we eat together now, this, this Passover, this Passover, the next time we sit down and eat Passover is in the kingdom yes,
2: sir. when
1: it is fulfilled. At this point, I go to my next Bible, Luke 24, and this is verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The notes here says, Jesus looked to a celebration in the kingdom to come when the Passover is fulfilled. The reference could well suggest that some type of commemorative sacrifice and meal will be celebrated then as the antecedent is the passover or the example is the passover sacrifice. Mm-hmm. This reference is not to the Lord's supper as some argue but the passover. So whatever Paul was teaching as the Lord's supper is not this thing. He took advantage of Passover to show something greater. So he said I'm only this thing I want to show you now. It only when we happen in the kingdom to come. That's why we'll sit down and when it's fulfilled. Now, when, when it's fulfilled, is it physical food we eat? Is it spiritual? Is it allegoric? When we reach there, we know. Now, when he now goes on from here and starts to institute the Lord's Supper, he then says to eat this in remembrance of my death. Why would he, if it were Passover, not say in remembrance of the kingdom that is to come? So, we miss the fact that it's one sitting, but there's multiple yes, principles yes, being delivered. Yes, so, what Jesus was teaching them could not be the eating of Passover. It was 19 to 20 of Luke chapter 22. He does this, he talks about this, and then... the are things I don't want to go into, honestly, because as much as they are crucial, they are not absolutely relevant. In, 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 in Jewish Passover, there is the Passover Seder. There are four different cups that are lifted up and drank in the Passover meal. It's not one. So if you start to study Jewish tradition carefully, you understand which cup did Jesus lift up. I don't want to go into that. Passover said that, S-D-E-E-R. There are four different cups that represents the meal. And the cup Jesus lifted up was not the first cup. It was the cup that marks the end of the meal. That's why the scripture says, after the supper, he lifted the cup. 20, show them, 22, 20. After supper, so so you can't exactly even call it the Passover cup. The four cups in the Passover Seder, so he start establishing which cup he lifted and when, placing it. The timing of it is important. After the supper, verse 19, he says he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, "Excuse me, we eat unleavened bread Passover in a hurry." give thanks, Father, we thank you for this bread. We have read Unliving Bread over and over. We saw no such reference. Yes. We saw no reference to giving thanks, you know, break it. Say, Eat it in your hurry. Guard your loins. But he took this bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave them saying, this is my body. Hold on. Unliving on Bread Passover has nothing to do with the body of Jesus. Every time God spoke to them, God said, Passover equals to this. Now I told you a while ago that later on, it came to be known. It came to be looked at through different lenses. But by the benefit of hindsight, like retrospectively, after, after, after. I said, this thing can also mean this. So, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Me. This is not possible. This one, the purpose. This one. This is not that one. Totally brand new eating. In remembrance of me. Me can be translated in remembrance of everything I have taught you. Because you see, it is in that same night. You have to read John's account to understand it. It's in one night Jesus starts talking. In one night sat there. He mentions... Let's go to the book of John. John 13, from verse 1. Now, before the feast of Passover, this is the feast of unleavened bread. John 13:1. When Jesus knew that his time, his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, which meant go to the cross, are you understanding how to read your Bible? Yes, sir. I go to prepare a place for you. He was going to the cross. Yes. Now he's going to the cross, but they say he's going to the Father. Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world and go to the Father. If he had resurrected, they would have said, okay, he's referring to going to heaven. Yes. But he was just about to go and die. Yes. And he said he was, should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended. This is the supper being described in Luke 22. Yes. The devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus starts to speak, right? From verse 7, he speaks, and then Peter goes into the whole, don't wash my feet, wash my whole body. He talks about feet washing. Goes in, Simon's not greater than his master. Goes into speaking about his betrayer, right? Verse 18. Yeah? One sitting. 21. Jesus said these things. He was struggling in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you, will betray me. And he went out to 31. When he had gone out, who is the one who had gone out? Judas.
2: Judas.
1: Who in verse 30 ate the bread? 31. He had gone out, Jesus said. And he goes on. 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you shall follow me afterward. First fruit. First fruit. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. <laughs> chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare. I'm going to the father. I'm going to prepare. He's going to die. So I'm going to prepare a place for you. 14. All the way. Holy Spirit coming as a helper to teach us all things. Same chapter 14, verse, from verse 15 giving us his peace peace that the world does not understand all the way true vine in chapter 15 all the way love as my father loved me so have I loved you the world has hated me the world will hate you right through to chapter 16 I've told you these things in verse 1 that you'll not be made to stumble but I go away it's it's helpful for you that I go if I don't go away the helper will not come all of that a little while you will not see me and that, that goes into his long prayer in chapter 17 all the way until 18 verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples to the book run, where there was a garden, Gethsemane. And Judas who betrayed him knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Point I'm making is from chapter 12. Right through to chapter 18. Different principles, different things talked about by Jesus in one city, one, 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 one sitting. One sitting. At that supper. So you can mix things up when you model up the narrative. Are you here now? Yes, sir. So they had had a meal. The meal had finished. Yes, sir. He took the cup. Luke 22, 20. Are we together? Yes, sir. Luke 22, 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup, this one. In the Greek definitive actually of this says that or the. So this cup as in that cup, this cup, the cup. As differing from the others before it. Is the new covenant in my blood. Which is shed. New covenant. It's important to understand that. Because where sin is forgiven. Is where the new covenant began. One of our anchor scriptures in Word binding house is. Jeremiah 31. 31 to 34. Put it up. Let's see that quickly you understand new covenant briefly? Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Reference point. Yes. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, they broke it, it ceased to exist. A covenant that is broken, is not enforced. Now they broke it, so now let's do a new covenant this is the covenant i will make with the new house of israel after those days says the lord i will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and i will be their god and they will be my people 34 no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the lord for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them says the lord see the hallmark of that new covenant and for i will forgive their iniquity the hallmark of the new covenant. It's the forgiveness of sins. Yes. So I wrote here, the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins is the introduction of the new covenant. The blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins is the introduction of the new covenant. The blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins is the introduction of the new covenant. So he says, eat in remembrance of me. Me, all I've taught you. All I've been to you. All you've heard from my lips all through with particular emphasis to all I've just sat down in this one sitting and taught you now. Does that make sense? All we've run through in this past few chapters of John, remember what I've taught you. Remember what I've shown you. In the same John 13, he washes their feet and tells them, as you have told them, as you have seen me do, so do the same. And all theologians agree in large part that he was not referring to you tangibly or physically washing feet. Because to a non-Jew, it's a concept that doesn't make sense. So again, what was it that Jesus did? Seize the advantage of a custom of the Jews yes. to teach a greater yes, principle yes. Yes, on the same night. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You cannot, again, Jesus cannot be telling all believers for all ages mm-hmm. to practice a Jewish custom. We were no Jews. And he has made one people out of the two. So that's how we understand that he couldn't have meant it literal. As a ritual... To be performed by all the churches, because again he just took advantage. It's because it was a Jewish custom, and the Jews knew. That was why Peter said, "You can't do this." We know this thing now. It's our slaves that wash feet of guests when they come into the place, and then you, our master, Rabuni, wants to wash my feet. No, no, come on, Peter. No, no, don't, don't talk like that. Jesus had to then explain that I am not washing your feet. The way that feet are washed, but this particular feet washing—if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. In other words, if I don't, if you don't allow, hear me carefully, if you don't allow me serve you, you can't enter me, because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So, if you now stop me from serving you that is to say saving you how would you become a son of god you have no part in me so see allow me to serve you because i came to serve to save peter did not understand it this way because feet washing had nothing to do with saving or salvation he's not the owner of the house that comes out to wash your feet yes. He's the servants. Yes. It's not the owner. Yes. Yes. So you meet the servants and then you come into the outer court of the house. So Jesus is like, No, if I, if I don't wash your feet, you, can't, you have no part in me. You can't become a son of God. You can't have the Spirit of God in your heart crying about Father. So I have to serve you. So was it feet washing who was showing? No. Show them the concept of service, Latrio. That's why when he said, Now that I have served you, a.k.a. washed your feet, you now serve one another, minister to one another the way I have
2: ministered to you.
1: Period. Taking occasion of an existing culture of feet washing among the Jews to teach a universal principle on the same night. Then he comes and then takes the bread, takes the cup and says, "Do this in remembrance of me, as you have seen me, do you do." My question to religious people is, why will substance that has saved us and his spirit is going to come into our hearts crying our Father? Why will he ask us to do something to remember him as if we will forget? Your spirit is inside me, sir. Is your spirit crying, our Father? Even if I want to try to forget yeah. yeah. that your spirit inside me, it's, it's not, it's not whispering Abba Father, <laughs> it's crying out, Abba Father, then I need bread to remind me, is that what you were saying? As many as are led by the Spirit, carried by the Spirit, so it's bread, Are with bread, oh Jesus died for me, but are we Are we together? So now, he shows them the Lord's Supper. This is what Paul references in 1 Corinthians 11. Not Passover. When you come together to eat, it is not the Lord's Supper. There's no connotation to Passover. Passover happens or is commemorated once a year. On a fixed day, on a fixed month, every year. You can't go from place to place passing over. But you see in Acts 2, right as the church takes off in verse 42, you see where they continue daily, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and communion will come to this. I'm highlighting some words, they're important. Some translations call this communion, and some people call the Lord's Supper communion or holy communion communion is from the word koinonia which actually means fellowship that's the word translated fellowship here the lord's supper or passover is not communion communion is fellowship why do we say that because you see apostles doctrine and fellowship come out in the breaking of bread prayers. It doesn't say that breaking of bread is communion or fellowship. Pay attention to that. Give us the New King James and TPT a few other translations. um, Old King James, KJV 42. And they continued, look at that, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Yeah? They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together the common meal. Life together is what they translated koinonia. Yeah. The common meal. Breaking bread. Common meal. Not the special one. The, the regular one. Day, non. And the prayers. Tippity. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. Koinonia. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. This is where the church, modern transition, starts to miss it. You substitute breaking of bread for sharing communion. Meanwhile, what was referred to as communion is the previous line, hearts were mutually linked to one another. They broke bread. This bread is not the same bread as the bread for special feasts, as we saw in Leviticus and Exodus 12 and 13. This bread was not unleavened bread. I explained to you that unliving bread is bread that has not been corrupted or helped. Remember, oh, yeah. shine your eyes, oh. Yeah. Bread in Acts two forty-two and everywhere else in the New Testament where bread post-resurrection is mentioned is, the, is not the word for Passover or the word for unliving bread is the word artos a r t o s and it means bread, it means loaf, and it means food.
2: food
1: artos in the Greek a-r-t-o-s five loaves of bread was five artos of bread breaking bread was distributing artos food why was the word bread majored on was because their staple, staple
2: sir.
1: is bread yes, sir. In the Gambia, bread is not a big deal. You know what is a big deal? Rice. They boil it. They roast it. They nut kunu from it. They do uh, chakri from it. They do churagete from it. I'm calling Gambian delicacies. They do uh, benachin from it. All from rice. There are one million and one ways. They do plasas from it. Cassava leaf and rice. There's many things they do with rice. You eat rice for breakfast. A different translation of rice for lunch, another translation amplified version for dinner. <laughs> is rice, rice. If you say, "Oh, what's your favorite meal?" Rice. By the time you live for two years in the Gambia, when they call rice, you run. <laughs> Here in Nigeria, the houses are not big on rice. Two one masara, two maize meal. The meal to say they have it early in the morning it's coming hot and they can have it again for lunch they can have it again for dinner it's their staple are you following me now yes, sir. talking bread 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 to a gambian makes no sense if you will use or leverage a staple a staple is something that is the help english the common acceptable yeah if you will use a staple to preach anything food to a Gambian, you must use rice. Are you following me? Yes, sir. So, rice becomes to the Gambian what bread is to the Jew, and what a naan bread is to the Arabian. Lebanese, there's land flat bread. Everything with stew, with meat, with pepper. With, they eat naan bread with everything. So, again, these cultural nuances. Are important in understanding your Bible. Yes. So when scripture says artos, it's referring to a staple food, the common food, hence common meal, yes. the common food that everybody in a particular area eats. Artos. A few examples of that you see in Luke 24 29 to 30, Jesus has resurrected. Luke 24. 29 to 30. This is the two the guys and Emmaus. The two disciples, right? On the way to Emmaus, they forgot that Jesus actually got to Emmaus. He got there now. And, ate, and went into them and ate with them. But they constrained him in their place. <laughs> the story doesn't end on the way to Emmaus. They get there. And they constrained him saying, abide with us for. The day is far spent. For it is toward evening... And the day is fast spent and he went in to stay with them, not on the way. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, artos. Not, not, on, not on living bread. It was not Passover. He just resurrected, sir. He took bread, verse 30, artos. Blessed, broke, gave to them. See verse 41 to verse 43, when he's with the rest of the disciples. But while they still do not believe him for joy, hey, Jesus, no, it's not true. It's a lie. You are risen. It's a lie. <laughs> Master, is it <he> you? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you know? You, nah, no. <laughs> no is it you? Say something. Say something. something. No. Can No, be you? Can not be you? <laughs> Can not be you? Can not be you? While they still not believe, not for doubt, but for joy oh, God, yeah. and marvel, Jesus now trying to calm them down. Okay, okay, you know, you, you don't believe. I uh, bring grudge. <laughs> <Bring Gredge. laughs> share, share understand that language. It's me. It's me Be this. It's me with this. Share we so chop together. food ahead like, okay so next verse I say okay so they give him a piece of look, broiled fish now what he said in 41 have you any food the word is have you any bread art artos have you any food see what they give him please go back to 41 give me old king james i want to see if he, if he mentions it he says have you any meat and the word is still artos the word used for bread or loaf for food have you any food and they gave him a piece of broiled fish And of a honeycomb. And he took it. And ate it before them. Artos. 44. And he said, these are the words which I spoke to you. While I was yet with you. That all things must be fulfilled. Which were written in the law of Moses. To break bread means to share food. So as often as you eat together. Which is the observing of the Lord's supper. The church eating together is the observance of the Lord's supper, not transubstantiation the body, the bread becoming the body and the wine becoming the blood and I dare add not Christian religion teaching you that there is virtue to be found in eating bread and wine see if it will take me to eat Holy Communion, to receive healing, Christ died in vain. What a
2: waste.
1: So, I am dying. Not because Jesus did not die for me. But there's one bread and one wine I did not eat. Let me die. I'd rather die than walk in idolatry. By his stripes. Not by bread. You see why I've taken time to teach you from Scripture, one after the other? How a clear part of Scripture explains a great part of Scripture. We, if we don't know anything, we know that how we receive healing is by His stripes. If His stripes on His physical soma, physica brought healing, then now I need to eat a symbol of the same body i now need the shadow of the body to collect healing the the doctor is a better god don't waste my time don't insult my intelligence so don't do that now once we have established by his stripes we're healed then we have to see what this thing means to break bread Is for the church to share food. Remembering the Lord's word, culture, and death. Death in this context. oh Jesus, help me. Death in this context is not necessarily death for your sin. He died for your sin. Not death as in sin, but death as in sacrificing his physical body to give us this body. You remember the Lord's death till he comes. Death not as in death for your sin. Of course, he died for your sin. But in the context of all Jesus taught in that one night, in that one sitting, of the context of service, I'm giving myself for you guys. You guys give yourselves for one another. In the context of that night, the Lord's death will refer to his willing sacrifice for you which brings you together as the body and therefore your willing sacrifice for one another. By the time he gets to chapter 17, he begins to pray and says, make them one as you and I are one. You see the context of his desire for them. It's made clear. Make them a body. Make them together. Make them one. Make them one. Connect them together. That's his prayer. All through all he's saying. Unity of the body. Unity of the faith. Oneness. One body. I pray this. The way that you and I are one. Is unite them together as one. That's the word. The world world did not know them. The world did not know me. But just as the word. that's, That's the context. So the Lord's death will be his giving of himself. For there to be a body. Discerning the loved one I told you what unleavened bread is yes. I told you what it means 1 Corinthians 5 from verse 5 and 6 go from verse 6, do you not know that a little, little leaven, remember that now yes. a little leaven, leavens to whole lump see verse 7, therefore purge out the old leaven, you that you may be a new lump, next line, since you truly are So who is the unleavened bread? Who is the unleavened bread? You. You. The church. No sin, no corruption, no division, no works, no adulteration, no modification, no transformation. So when you'll he say, remove the living, remove the sin, remove textual corruption, remove doctrinal corruption, put away. Let it not even be seen. Put up a seven back in the TPT. First Corinthians 5 and 7. So remove every trace of living, of your compromise with sin, so that you may become new and pure again. For indeed you are clean because Christ. Our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed for us. How does the message put this? So get rid of this yeast. Our true identity is flat and plain. Not puffed up with the wrong kind of ingredients. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for the Passover meal and we are the So you are the unleavened bread. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Now. If you are the unleavened bread, now you are the unleavened bread. The church is the unleavened bread. Are we breaking the church? We can't break this bread. The one that could be broken. What are you breaking? At the point you start talking breaking now, schisma. Heresies. Hold on. Isn't that what has happened to the church now? Yes, Sects, opinions, dogma.
2: Yes,
1: Why? Because we tried wrongly to break the bread. We should not break. Because his body was broken for us. When His body is, when something is done for you, it means it was done so that you don't have to do it. If I did something for you, why am I asking you to do it? I ironed your shirt, so now go and iron your shirt the way I ironed your shirt. It was broken for you, with you in mind. So when you now become the soma of Jesus, you will not dare or need to break it. You are the unliving, living bread. Hold your neighbor on the left or right, and just. Gently tell them together. We are the unliving bread. First Corinthians ten. I need two verses only, sixteen and seventeen. See, look at this. The cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, signifying what new covenant? This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, as introduced by what the forgiveness of sins. This bread which we break mm-hmm. is it not the communion or our partaking koinonia yes, 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 of the body of Christ for we we are one body which you say one body one bread which you say one body why we all partake of that one bread
2: <okolose>
1: so the largest you can infer, the largest you can refer a New Testament believer to Passover or unleavened bread is our conduct. Because now you have removed the old leaven. It's not in bread and what you are eating. You have 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 and 8. It is in your conduct being worthy of your status as unleavened.
2: That's how you keep
1: the Passover. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Now see verse 18. Let us therefore keep the feast, not with the old leaven. Not with, not not Passover meal. That's not how we keep this feast. But we keep this feast, not not with the old leaven, nor with the living of malice and wickedness. But we keep this feast with unleavened bread. See what the unleavened bread is now. Not Holy Communion.
2: Yeah. But
1: with the unleavened bread of sincerity,
2: sincerity and truth.
1: That's how you keep the Passover. Yeah. Or let us keep the Passover, the feast, by being the body. Because we are, the unleavened bread yeah. is the church, the body. So you can also render it and say, but by being the church, that is sincere true and, and true. That's how you keep that feast. You don't keep that Passover feast by eating The one we eat, our toast, the last supper, what does it teach us? That's where we'll pick it up from.
0: Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebassiliacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at or find us on social media with the handles at the Truth Simply Put or at the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on 234 70 Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.